You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We've got camp news from all over the place, including South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, LSU, and Alabama as well. And we're going to take a look back. Who are some players... Uh, in the old day SEC that would uh, have an impact still today, especially with the way things have changed with the RPOs and such. And uh, also, I'm going to ask this tough question, who will be at their current job longer, Mark Stoops or Nick Saban? So for Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, support of your Locked On SEC Football podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in it's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Uh, precision engineered tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code locked on. Let's begin with uh, an interesting note that you pointed out the comparisons between Gary uh, Judy, wide receiver at Alabama, and Odell Beckham. Frankly, I hadn't heard of this until uh, you brought it up, but as you pointed out, Chris, their skill sets are, are, are very, very different. Yeah, there's, it's been a lot of, you know, um, somebody had, had come out and made the comparison, which is, uh, I, you know, really, really surprising. Both are great players, and certainly Odell's made his mark in the NFL, and I think Judy will make it. Uh, at the college level, at the uh, NFL level as well, but they're different types of skill sets and uh, body types are uh, proportioned a little different, and the athletic traits are different. Again, both both potentially great. One is great, and one at the college level, and one is uh, already great at the pro level. But um, yeah, the the comparison uh, because it was made out there. I wanted to um, to give my thoughts on it that. Uh, as as scouts, we we often we compare guys. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, we look at it a little differently. People just say, you know, boy, two guys are really good, so you make the comparison. But we don't really compare by by that. We look at skill sets, and oftentimes when you make the comparison, you're not even saying that one guy is going to be as good as the other, but their their skill sets are reminiscent of it, or at least certain aspects of their game and. Sometimes we even go into the details. He runs like um, his upper torso's a lot like he, you know, um, he, you know his um, his ability, his, his the way he runs routes are like, but the other parts may not be as um, as, as, as similar. But um, yeah, so great player, going to be drafted uh, high and be a really good player at the next level, maybe better than any of the Bama receivers that have come out. You know, Ridley, Cooper, um, he's got the ability to be the best of them all and one of the better players in the SEC. But different-looking type than uh, than Odell Beckham. Well, that's uh, certainly saying something. I know that uh, LSU are retooling that offense, which seems to be of a pretty common theme there, but uh, now using uh, the running backs more often in the passing game, that, that seems like a good move and one that could have worked with some of their recent standout backs as well. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to incorporate all the things that they've been talking about what they're going to do. And certainly I've seen some of it in practice, and I've seen 
seen what their emphasis could be. But they're talking a lot about working the tight ends and backs in the passing game, um, working the RPO game. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think they have uh, – they've done more talking about what they're going to do, uh, which I'm not a big fan of that. I, I think they're, they spend a lot of time selling what's the thing you can uh, – you know, I'm the type that tends to um, – uh, you know, um, to, to try to, to undersell it and overperform it. I, I'm that, that type. I think they're really uh, – it's going to be awfully hard to, uh, to, to have an offense that is going to be as good as they're trying to sell it. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that they're, they're really uh, – they've kind of mastered the art of, you know, let's get everybody excited in the offseason, um, which there's nothing wrong with it, I guess. Uh, I just, to me, you know, well done is better than well said. I, I think anything short of the best offense in college football, and I think people are going to be like, ah, <laughs> what, what have they done? I mean, they, 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 they've really gone out of their way. But it is something that they definitely would like to incorporate. I think Clyde Ed, Edward Jalair can be a guy that can help them out of the backfield. Um, but, you know, I think working – in the RPO game, uh, moving the football around in uh, in the layered passing game is something that you have to do. LSU has not worked the tight end, uh, the screen game, or the backs very effectively in quite some time in their offense. John Emery, the five-star running back, uh, you believe he is uh, a star in the making, and uh, based off your practice notebook, it seems to think you seem to think that. Uh, he he could be uh, the starter sooner than later. Yeah, I do. I think he's you know more talented, uh, and I think he can be eventually the bell cow back. Now, you know handling um, you, you know protections and blitz pickup is always a challenge. Um, being effective if they want to use him out of the backfield as a receiver is always an adjustment. But uh, he's got special skill sets. I, I think he's. Um, he is really good. I think he's you know one of those guys that can be in the mix of one of the best backs in the conference, and uh, he looks like you know the the top backs in the league from a skill set standpoint. He hasn't done it yet, and it'll take some time to kind of see whether he can make the adjustment. But he's he's the most talented runner, uh, just natural gifts that they have on campus. Uh, then Anthony Schwartz at Auburn uh, hasn't uh, been. Ruled yet for the season opener. Uh, Gus Malzahn said that, but we're talking about a receiver trying to return from a broken hand in, in just four weeks. So are you thinking a couple of games missed? Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know that uh, if they're being overly optimistic, but at least, I mean, I'm happy that they're optimistic. I'm happy that, um, that it looks like, you know, again, you, you hear broken hand, um, you think one thing, don't know exactly where the break is. Uh, obviously, you're dealing with a receiver and his hand. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, wrapping that thing up, playing back, backer, and you've, you know, you've, you've got to be able to catch the football and, and be able to catch it out of the frame. Uh, but they're encouraged <clears throat> that's not as bad and uh, that, that maybe they're going to be able to, to – uh, improve the range of motion, and maybe, you know, with numbness, um, maybe he can play, and maybe he can play early. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I always let the medical people kind of make that determination, of course. 
But uh, I'm encouraged that they they haven't said, man, this this looks like it's going to be an eight week injury. They're they're more optimistic with that. So we're just going to have to chart it and see. And I made a a note in the notebook at LandryFootball.com because we talked about it. Um, you know, having surgery uh, on Monday uh, after the injury on Friday, it didn't didn't look as good. At least now they're more encouraged. So whatever that means medically, that they're encouraged. I'm encouraged that they're encouraged. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, and Gus Malzahn is encouraged by uh, Eli Stove as well, uh, another wide receiver for the Tigers, and even goes so far as to call him an NFL type of player. That's that's pretty strong. Well, he's got he's got a, a, a frame that you know he's six feet, one eighty eight, and he can really run. All these Auburn receivers got a lot in common in that they can run, and it's really important. They are not very eclectic with their passing game. It's about a couple of routes. It's about the vertical route, and it's about obviously run downhill tempo with the power uh, out of the, po- the power spread run, and then kind of work the ball, get you in numbers in the box, and then you've got it running vertical, and you, that's where they get their big play. So they don't work the passing game as much as they they try to uh, you know get you matched up in the passing game where it's a lot of easy throws. This guy can get uh, get down vertically as well. Um, you know, he's a guy with a lot of speed, but we certainly need to see him do a little bit better job of being able to make plays. And he's very encouraged by him, and um, I'm looking forward to, to watching him develop this year. Well, you feel kind of bad, too, for uh, C.J. Williams of Florida, an Achilles injury, and he was coming off uh, – uh, an ACL. What does this mean for the junior cornerback? Well, you know, it's um, it's a second career season-ending injury, and look, foot, football is um, knees and uh, are not made really for football. Um, the the volatility of injuries in our sport is unlike any other sport. Um, you know, it's just tough. Feel bad for the young man. You work really hard. You commit yourself. And uh, you know, having to miss the season, it's a, it's um, it's a really tough blow. I mean, they've, it, this is a secondary that's very good, but you're dealing with uh, now some injuries that are that are starting to kind of have an effect. Uh, and all of a sudden, you go in, and it's just it's not nearly as good, and it limits what you do. And uh, and um, you know, the three wide sets, you're fine. And then against four and wide, you you become a little less effective. Um, so this is tough blow for him. There's no question, but feel bad for the young man and, and for the Gators. And then another injury um, in Kentucky, uh, wide receiver Isaiah Epps. Yeah, he's going to miss six weeks with a foot injury. Um, you know, that's going to probably put him at a couple of games during the season if you start doing the numbers. Um, you know, he was a he worked his way to starter and. Um, you know, we'll see where it plays out. But Lynn Bowden is the is the number one guy, the key guy there at receiver. But uh, really good looking player. He's got uh, good quickness in and out of his breaks, and and I uh, was excited to see as they try to work the passing game a little bit more uh, into their offense. Um, so um, injuries now, trying to avoid them is something you have to do. But you know, I get asked a lot, you know, and about well, this injuries are going to always happen, and the non contact injuries are going to happen and you know even when you don't have a lot of you know physical work you have that and you got to prepare your body for football and I'm of the belief both at the college and NFL level that the desire to 
eliminate off-season injuries by having no contact and very little work, all you do is you increase the chances of injuries once the season starts. And I'm not saying all these injuries are directly a result of one thing, but what it is is you've got to prepare your body for the contact and the cuts and the full-speed work that football is. And I don't think we prepare the bodies well enough um, because we try to say, well, we're not going to have contacts. we got all these problems. Well, you can't avoid contact in football completely. you got to work your way into it. I think we can teach tackling better. But I think going full speed a little bit more in the off season would nurture and prepare your body better for when you have to, to go in, a, in, in more full speed. So, in essence, when you have to go through some scrimmages or you get to where you're increasing your tempo – Sometimes, you know, uh, the, the, the joints and the muscles around the ligaments, they don't react as well, and I think it's a problem. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of like, uh, you, you, it's maybe a, not the best analogy. I try to do it. Maybe, you know, if, if you got a car, and it's a low-mileage car, and it sits into the garage a lot, a lot of elderly people this way, you got to find a way to start that car up and ride it a little bit and get the oil kind of moving around uh, or else it's going to really start to sputter a little bit. Uh, I, 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 obviously, these athletes don't sit around in the offseason. They work very stringently on, um, you know, working out and becoming more pliable and all those things are really good. But I think when it comes to contact, the contact part of it and the full-speed cuts part of it, um, <clears throat> We don't do things quite as well as we need to. And I think some of these guys, a lot of these guys really struggle with that uh, when they're not able to adjust to the full-speed work and the full-speed contact. Uh, Zamir White ACL injury at Georgia last year. No knee brace. So that's good news. I mean, it's it's been a year, and ACLs, as we've talked about, are not nearly as devastating as they were. So you have to think he's pretty close to 100%. Yeah, well, uh, you know, close to it. I mean, I think they're very, very comfortable. To, to obviously, when you take that knee brace off, you're, you're comfortable, and he's comfortable. And, you know, sometimes it's um, it, it can be a little bit of a mental thing for players. They're worried that maybe there's something there. They may feel a twinge when it's not there because they're, you know, sometimes it's the scar tissue or things. Uh, but it, it, there's no ill effects at all. It looks like he's full goal and uh, – no, no signs of a knee brace, and that's uh, that. No sign of a knee brace is a good sign. Yep. And uh, Tavian Feaster, we talked about his uh, transfer, and he's good to go. Will be a full participant uh, for the Gamecocks when when they open practice. Yeah. So uh, he's going to be uh, available um, at the starting today. Um, so that's that's good to to you know the the final transfer details was the you know, the well, hold up or to getting him ready to go to this point. But this guy is um has got some speed. I'm curious to see what they can do with him, um, because he's a talented back. They we've talked about it. They you know, Dowdell and the other guys, they're serviceable guys, but there's nobody really special. I think Feaster has more um elite special qualities that might give them a little bit of a spark in the run game. How much he can uh, get under his belt before the start of the season is going to be real interesting to see. Levante Valentine, um, uh, the uh, running back, um, 
uh, another running back for South Carolina has decided to enter the transfer portal. Um, he's he struggled uh, with the knee injuries as well, and I think adding um, Feaster contributed to him wanting to go in a different direction now. All right, coming up, what skill position players, in particular quarterbacks in this RPO uh, day and age, uh, would have been even better nowadays than uh, back in the day, 70s, 80s, uh, when uh, the, the running quarterback was uh, kind of something a lot of coaches uh, were scared of. So well, we'll discuss that after this. And, and also, uh, who will be at their current job longer, Mark Stoops or Nick Saban? And certainly Chris will have some insight to that. So stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. More after this. Stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast, skill position players. And one of the most interesting classes I took in college was just about sports and society. And, and part of it was uh, about, about stacking and um, part of the reason that uh, African Americans didn't get as much opportunity uh, at the quarterback position, that's certainly not the case anymore. If you see a kid, he can throw the ball and uh, he's accurate. You don't care what color he is, black, white, green, brown, it doesn't matter. And uh, that's definitely a bit of a change. I was just uh, thinking about uh, some of the players from back in the day, and the one that popped to mind first would be uh, Condridge Holloway. Who were some players that uh, you recall a covering that in this RPO day and age would be just fantastic fits at the at the quarterback position with the ability to run the football and uh, make proper reads. Well, the the guy that probably comes to mind um, as good as any is is Archie Manning. I think Archie was he's far more athletic than both of his sons. He was a great. Um, movement quarterback. He made a lot of play extensions and made a lot of good throws on the move. I think that, you know, he would have been very good at getting, you know, he always was very good at getting the ball out. Now, you know, in the RPO game, it's not so much about running, but it's about uh, uh, just reading and and it's a very simple read in a, in a run-pass option. But in the movement game where maybe you can, you know, uh, get people into a lot of man coverage, and then maybe, you know, use your feet. Uh, I think that uh, he would be really – he would have been really, really good. I think Kenny uh, Snake Stabler would have been great at it. Kenny could really run, um, and he had – well, he was named the Snake because he kind of slithered there. It wasn't speed, but, you know, he was had sneaky speed, and he had really good change of direction. Um, I mean, I think a guy like, a, um, you know, a Pat Sullivan – would have been really good in uh, in doing that. I think a guy like David Woodley would have been good among the quarterbacks. Probably more importantly, um, in the RPO game, uh, you know, a, a guy like Carlos Alvarez, at, would, at receiver, would have been outstanding. Uh, Ozzie uh, would have been outstanding. Ike Hilliard, Wes Chandler, would have been really good. Um, you know, in, in the RPO game, where you've got option routes, guys that were really good route runners and could work um, all levels of the field as receivers uh, would have been really effective in, in a lot of it. A lot of the a lot of the really good players of of yesteryear would have 
transitioned a lot better, just like a lot of coaches would have adjusted. Great coaches, great players can adjust. So, like for example, players were a lot smaller back in the day, but everybody was smaller. I mean, the, the society, you know, people were smaller. Uh, nutrition was different. Weight training was different. If you gave players of, you know, the 60s uh, the same type of nutrition, and, and, and it's not just the players, it's their parents. You know, they, they had, had, you have bigger babies now and healthier babies and different ways to, 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 uh, for pregnant women to, to handle their nutrition and whatnot um, and exercise there that makes them better. So, you know, I think a lot of those guys would translate and be very well. I think, I think um, you know, uh, Johnny Musso would have been a really good back. He was tough and physical and probably wouldn't have been a whole lot bigger than he was. But, you know, guys would have been, you know, guys, you think, well, your size is your size is your size. Well, no, because guys that maybe were 180 back then as running backs would be the 210-pound backs today because the proper nutrition and weight training would allow you to put on the better weight and, and be, be a little bit different and yet still be as pliable, if not more. Um, but I think, you know, under any system – not RPO, but anything. I mean, I, I think Herschel's as good a player as we've had at skill position. I think uh, Bo would have been phenomenal. I think Emmett would have been phenomenal. Uh, a lot of guys. Um, Tommy Casanova was a great returner and was a defensive player that would be really good in coverage and uh, today and doing a lot of the things and trying to defend some of the RPO stuff. Um, I think Ozzy, I think I mentioned Ozzy Newsom would have been great uh, as a, well, he was a receiver in college before he moved to tight end. But Herschel and Bo and Emmett, um, you know, Leroy Jordan would have been great at linebacker, you know, trying to defend the RPOs. And I, I think those those are some guys that come to mind. Gosh, I'm, I know they're, I'm missing so many. But just um, just on initial thought, those are some guys that I think would have had really good impacts. Yeah, pretty good list there. I hadn't thought of Archie, but man, he could uh, he could really move around. Fantastic, transcendent player uh, to watch highlights of. Uh, coming up, we'll ask uh, a question of Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. Who will be at their uh, current job longer, uh, Mark Soups or Nick Saban? Uh, Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. Go to that website. Learn more about the NFL college and recruiting. LandryFootball.com. Stay tuned. More after this. You're locked on SEC football podcast. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On SEC football podcast. Who will be at their job longer? Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Or Nick Saban at Alabama. I'll let you go first because uh, I think I know which direction you're going to go, and uh, then I'll provide uh, maybe a bit of the other side. Uh, so, who, who's at their current job longer? Oh, I think it's going to be Nick. I think Nick. You know, we it, there's no way to really answer the question with with the. Um, uh, as you relate it to health, I mean, Nick's healthy. We never know what tomorrow brings for us. So, um, when you're older, you know, we're closer towards the end than we are to the beginning. 
but we never know what tomorrow brings. Obviously, we got to throw that out because none of us, uh, only the man upstairs knows that. Uh, I think Nick will be coaching there for a while. I, I think Mark will get an opportunity um, that will you know, probably be tough for him to stay at Kentucky long range, but you never know. He likes it there. Uh, I think as long as they are, they understand kind of where their plight is. But I, I think that uh, if a job open, let's say uh, if a Florida State were to come calling, that's a job you can't turn down. So Nick's not going anywhere. You know, he's going to be there a while, you know, health permitting. Whereas I think Mark has, has got an oppor- likely going to have the right opportunity perhaps in the next couple of years. Maybe not, but I think there's just looking at percentages. I would say Saban's going to be there longer. And Mark is, is you know, is, here's the thing. You got you got two, a couple of ways in which you you, you leave your current job. Um, you, 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 you things go bad and you get fired. Uh, you have a better opportunity and you go somewhere else. Nick Saban's not going to get fired and Nick Saban's not going to go anywhere else. Uh, Mark Stoops is should not get fired. We don't know in today's world if he has three subs, you know, five hundred seasons. They may, you know, in today's world they might. Um, but he's more likely to move on uh, from the success that he's had and take advantage of it. Let me play the other side for a second. If Nick Saban wins another national championship, that would put him at seven, one over Paul Bear Bryant. He would have he'd be able to to go out on top, kind of like uh, Michael Jordan or John Elway and. I'm not counting Jordan's time with the Wizards, for the record. But he would be able to go out on top as, as you know, beating Clemson, who, who seemed like they had um, vested him for, for a bit and maybe were the top program, as you know, of all the offseason talk. If he's able to win another, another national championship, beat Clemson, could you see him saying, and you know him, I've I've accomplished everything I've accomplished. I'm I'm ready to hang it up. And also, Nick Saban strikes me again. Tell me if I'm wrong. As the type of guy that he's not going to drop any hints. We're going to hear about a press conference one day, and it's going to be uh, later that afternoon or within 24 hours, and it's going to be done. He seems like the type of guy who makes his decision and makes it final. Your your thoughts on those two aspects? Um. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to tip things off necessarily. That's, that's, that's I don't see that. Again, it really comes down to if he's feeling good and he's healthy. He doesn't really uh, enjoy anything else. It's always been about ball for him and building a team and, and being part of a team. So winning a title – or this year, or losing it, or is is not going to change how he thinks. The only thing's going to change it is if health wise, if his energy level, which it happens all all the time, gets us all. Now he's, as I've told this, he's older than I am. We're friends, but he's he's a lot younger than I am. What I mean by that is, I've had you know uh, some health issues myself, and I could not do because I've had some opportunities, I could not do what he's doing or go back into it the way he is just because I couldn't handle it. He's got um, just great health. The heart is great and all that. So as long as he's healthy, no, I don't I don't see it. Uh, I really don't. But 
again, there's no way to know that things might crop up. I mean, the hip, you know, issue is, well, that's just kind of normal. When you get a little bit older, you have that. Because uh, you haven't had any problems, does it mean that something may not come up in the next year or so? Well, again, it usually it, it gets all of us at some point. So I think that's the only thing. It's not like, boy, if I can just win one more, then I can step aside. He doesn't think that way. He wins one more. He's thinking about finishing the recruiting class and making 2021 even better recruiting class. And he just doesn't really – he's not a stop-and-smell-the-roses type of guy. Listen, all of them kind of look at it, and and, and there's no question that while he wouldn't admit it, I think – that he would love to be kind of standing on the mountaintop with the most titles and all that. Uh, I, I, I don't believe that, that he wouldn't just be, you know, uh, honored to have that. But that doesn't motivate him like other people. Uh, I, I, I think that what motivates him is to get this team to do something that it couldn't do last year. And if he does or he doesn't, then to get next year's team to do it and I think that's going to continue until he can't. He doesn't have the energy to do it the way he did it. Now, when it's that at that point, then that's it. It's done. It's over. But but there's no way to know that it's going to happen on you know January you know 25th at such and such a year. It's going to happen sometime somewhere. But I don't see it happening you know right now. Well, that is your locked on SEC football podcast, please. Uh, Give us a review. We'd love to know what you think. We will talk to you tomorrow as camp's in full swing. We'll have the latest news and notes and kick around some topics. With Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone.